This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Good morning and welcome back to it here, January 3rd, 2022. Back to a regular week of life for uh, so many. Glenn in for John today. Thanks for joining us. We're going to talk about the uh, holy name of Jesus this hour. Bobby Hesley joins us to talk more about uh, that celebration today. But uh, great, great topic coming up right now. Uh, and this is something, you know, we're called to, to use our time, talents, and treasures to serve the Lord in the best way we can. And if you are a fabulous chef, how about something like this? The Taste for the Homeless, the CEO of Taste for the Homeless, Chef Michael Earhart is with us. Good morning. Happy New Year. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Hey, great to have you along today. Uh, did the holidays treat you well? The holidays was wonderful, 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 wonderful. Um, I got a chance to get a little quick break. Excellent. So you're all revved up, ready to go. You've got some big things going on. Uh, tell us about this this great idea, Taste for the Homeless. Yeah, Taste for the Homeless is uh, oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's um, some things that um, when I was growing up um, in the early, like the end of the 70s, like the beginning of the 80s, um, we grew up in the uh, projects of um, Allgill Gardens. And I was just a kid that, um, you know, I never knew why the Lord uh, wanted me to feed his people. And, and at that age, you know, you'd be wanting to play basketball, strike out with the kids, um, do normal things, build clubhouses. And at that time, um, he just... I was just a kid that was trying to figure out a way to feed the kids in the projects. And um, at that time, I thought I was a chef. <laughs> I was a chef back then. Uh, I was just being creative of different meals of what food we had left in the count in the, in the, in the cabinets. You know, we had a little bit of some of everything, whether it was um, Spam, Vienna sausages, um, a little bit of uh, pasta left over from, you know, uh, different just, just different things that we only had left over. And then, you know, back in those days, you could knock on the door and say, hey, uh, my mom told me can she borrow a slice of bread? Or my mom said can she borrow a stick of butter? And so as a kid, I would do that before my friends line up in my mom's back door. I would go knock mm. on, on the whole row. It's like maybe... 10 or 15 houses on the road connected and I knock on the whole row and ask for something that my mom said cause she borrowed. And by the end of that time, I would build this little course, little feast. And I would have these little back then, you know, tup Tupperware bowls. And, and I would just load them up with, uh, different, different meals I created. Um, and I always tell this one story about, uh, I was the one who created ramen noodles. <laughs> Because at the age, at, at eight years old, um, I would take the pasta that was left in the cabinet and then and they had this government cheese and butter. And so I will take the pasta, 
boil that down with a little 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 butter in it, a little salt and pepper. Then I would throw, I would melt down the government cheese, stir it all in together, and then add a little hot sauce to it and stir it all up. And I call that the that back then that was the oodle noodle. And so I had a line of kids in my mom's back door. Like I was very popular growing up as an eight year old because I was feeding everybody. We was like tied of beans. Just well, Chef beans. Michael, how did how did you end up with a, a love for food and a, the the creativity to to be a young chef like that? Watching a lot of TV, um, and it, and I remember when the TV was it wasn't color; it was black and white, and it turned into color. And it, it was at a point where I was just fascinated on different things I would see and uh, just different things that I, my man was always wondering, what if, you know, uh, what if we, I like, like my, me and my wife, we, we always wanted to go to Disney World. We always wanted to do different things growing up. And we always would just dream, you know, we would dream and I would dream on just, and I to to this day, I don't even re- still don't re- realize that this dreaming got me to this point um, in life with with the Lord because I I would dream on how can I make this burger or it was a thing where we could take like uh, flour and a little water and no a little grease and we'll burn it to the pot to the skillet and we'll stir flour in it and then we'll pour a little water in it. And then mix a little fried, you know, after I fried the ground beef into that and stir it up. And we got this little gravy, uh, ground beef with grilled onions. And I'm talking about, I started that with it. Now I poured over a bed of rice. Now I'm eight years old creating these meals. I, I, to this day, never realized where it came from. It was just, it just, it just came. It just like, okay. We got to do something better than this. I'm eight years old. I'm figuring out, like, we got to do something better than this. Like, we got to eat something better than this. And that's, that, that's just how my mind was. It was wondering, like, can I make it better for us out here? Can I do something that would at least give us some different type of taste or or something? And I just started start creating things. Like, I wonder what this, this real cheese would taste like with hot sauce or or we used to make like uh i would take uh i never forget this i created this thing under the stove it was called a sugar toast i don't know if you ever heard of a sugar toast so you know growing up we was poor we couldn't afford donuts we couldn't afford stuff like that so i would take the bread and i would put sugar on the top with with some butter spread it out put it at the bottom of the oven and let it glaze and it would turn to a glaze. It tastes like a donut. <laughs> and, and, and these were things that stayed with me. And it was just so amazing how it turned out. Michael, I wish you'd been my friend when I was growing up. That stuff uh, that stuff sounds, sounds good. Now, how did you go from having the creativity to do that, kind of to dream of how to make it better, to wanting to make it better for other people, for your friends in the neighborhood? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that uh, good story that uh, growing up with my friends. Okay, I not, I didn't built a lot of friends because people just started wanted to hang with me because they know if I hang with Mike, I'm gonna eat good. So mm-hmm. some of my friends, we have the thing here in Chicago, which you know is called Taste of Chicago. So years ago, 
the Lord put on my heart to, uh, it was one night, me and my friends, it was, uh, we wanted to go somewhere different. We decided to go to the Taste of Chicago. Taste of Chicago is one of the largest uh, restaurants. Every restaurant in Civ Chicago is there, set up as a booth, and you get to taste their food for a small fee. So you purchase a, a pile of tickets, and you go to each booth, and you taste pizza, hot dogs, the best food, the best Italian beef. Every top of the restaurant in Chicago is there. Um, one night, we decided to go. It's about to close. And um, we decided to go, and um, the less fortunate guy, he got in. I don't know how he got through that gate, but he got in, and we was at the booth, and he had walked up. Never mind you, while we was at the booth, the guy was getting ready to close. He was throwing the pizza away in the garbage while the man was watching it. The man asked, can he have a slice? Hey, please, can I have a slice of that? I'm hungry. I don't want no money. No, not just want a slice. The man told him, if you don't get the, away from here, we're, we're going to call the police and have you arrested. I'm looking at him like, but you're throwing it away in his face. So I said, sir, can mm. I pay for it? He said, well, if you pay for it, I'm going to have you both arrested. I said, whoa, whoa, I'm thinking in my mind, how you going to have me arrested and I'm paying for the man's food? And so the guy, he crying. I start crying. I, I, my friends, they just looking shocked. I'm in tears, pouring down. And I told the man, I grabbed his hand and I said, sir, I know you're going through hard times, but uh, the Lord just put something on my heart. And I want to tell you this. I may not see you again, and I, and I might. The Lord gave me this vision of taste for the homeless. It's going to be just like Taste of Chicago. It's going to have all the top restaurants, all the top gym shoe stores, all the top uh, beauticians and everything that you can imagine in the world set up there in the booth, no strings attached. You, We will pick you up, and we'll make sure you get there. And once you come through the gate, we'll give you a band on your wrist, and you can go in there, and you can have everything for free. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he said, God bless you, God bless you. So I gave him some money. I said, don't worry about it. Take this money, and 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 and, and you will see me again, or let's go buy you something to eat. And that's how Taste for the Homeless was launched. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story. And responding to that tug on your heart from the Holy Spirit to, to know to do that, to have the, the heart to do that. Uh, where do yeah. things sit now? How has it developed? And uh, where, is, where is Taste of the homeless, uh, homeless sitting now for Chicago? When we started out, we came in uh, under All Kids Matter. We are, we are still the founders of All Kids Matter Foundation, um, which is where we're at. We, um, all kids matter. People always would think, oh, yeah, they're definitely talking about kids. And and that is true. But it's the kid that's inside of the adult. It's a kid in all of us that we want to reach. And every now and then, I know we want to fly planes. And we adults. We older. We want to fly planes, model cars. We want to get on roller coasters. We want to jump in the beanbags. We want to do everything. And so... That's what all kids matter was, and 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 we will make sure that the kids, the adults, eat good, and we provide the best quality food. We started off with the sandwiches. Me and the wife. I went to the wife. I told her what God had, uh, put on me years ago, and you are the one He wants me to bring this out to. And with open arms, she grabbed my arm, my hands, and she said, "Let's go. Let's do this, and let's go all the way." And from that day. We, we we just went full force where we will provide the best. Now, 
we switch from the sandwiches and water and the, and the chips because the Lord said, no, I didn't tell you, Mike, that you should be feeding them the sandwiches. I want you to give them what you will eat, which will be the best food that ever been created on this planet. And we switched it over and we started providing the best pot rolls, the best steaks, the best spaghetti, the best everything you can imagine. And I will haul it out of here every day, freshly cooked. Everything has to be fresh. I don't take leftovers. It has to be cooked fresh the same day, hot food, and, and I'm bringing it to you all over the city of Chicago. And it, and, and it just went from that point to Lord said, just continue working for me, and I'll work for you. And, and it just continued to grow bigger and bigger to the point where that came to the point of me having the grills. So I went from the kitchen to being blessed. I went and did some cooking with a celebrity chef, Jamie, uh, which is a chef out of Chicago, uh, Merchandise Mark, who cooked for Oprah, who cooked for all these different uh, celebrities. Um, they invited me to come down to cook on the, sh the kitchen chat show and show what I can do with the meals that I grew up feeding people with. And so I get on the show and I'm cooking and we, we, he teaching me how to make stuff that I wanted to learn when I was a kid. Um, I, I made it, but it wasn't quite created the way I wanted it to be. So he taught me these different ways of making these certain meatloafs and different things like that. And lo and behold, I seen this state-of-the-art Back to the Future grill that was sitting in the corner. Um, uh, oh, my God, it was like a bocce. It was a bocce grill on wheels. Like, I never seen nothing like it in my life. And I looked at it, and I said, I made a comment. And I said, wow, if I can get that grill. Now, I'm on the show, and we talking. And I said, that grill right there, if I can get my hands on that grill, not only am I feeding, we feeding 500 a day, we will feed thousands a day, and it will be made to order. They can come up, get a menu. I have the, the table set up, just like a real restaurant. They'll sit down and order food, and we'll serve them. And lo and behold, he heard me, and my wife, I guess him and the uh, her, my wife and the chef, they decided to play this trick on my birthday. So I get down there on my birthday. We he made me a cake. I'm crying already because I'm shocked. They sing a happy birthday. We live on TV, and all of a sudden, he rolls up and he said, "I got something else for you." He started giving me these state of the art Viking pots, and and Viking is one of the top of uh, potware and nightware um, place in the world. And they start blessing me with all this stuff because you're going to be feeding a lot of people. And and all of a sudden, he said, wait, I got one more thing. He rolls up with and he said, turn around, turn around. He said, now turn back around. And it was a bow on it. And it was, he said, this grill, you're going to do, <laughs> you're going to change the world. And oh. I, I, the grill is a $6,000 grill. And I looked at it, my heart just jumped out my chest. I'm I'm praying, I'm thanking God, I'm shouting, I'm Lord, thank you. I'm not gonna let you down. And from that day forth, we went from a couple hundred people to thousands of people per day. We seven days a week. We 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 serve God's people seven days a week and we serve them the best food that's ever been created on this planet, whether it's uh T bones. Lobster tails, shrimps, uh, crab, anything that a person wants to eat, we provide. But then 
I made a comment again. I goes down there. I'm on the show. I'm I'm sitting there, and I said, he said, Mike, you've been working that grill since you received the grill. I said, yeah, but, you know, if I had two of them, I'd quadruple, and he heard me again. And so I'm cooking on the show. We so Monday two pads. He said, hey, can you come down, wife? Trick me again. Uh, go down there, and <laughs> lo and behold, it go behind the coat, the wall, and it rolls in brand new. And I just, Lord, I just cried so so hard and heavy to the point where, Lord, I'm gonna serve you to the day you bring me home. My my goal is, Lord, to to have a place in your kingdom. Whatever you need me and my wife to do, we will provide all things for your people as long as we're here. Chef Michael Earhart, that is so beautiful. And uh, to be so happy to be given the ability to serve. Boy, would that we would have uh, hearts like that as well. Michael is the CEO for Taste of the Homeless, uh, feeding wonderful food to those that really need it in the Chicago area. Talk about uh, this food truck for the homeless, Chef Michael. Oh, yeah. Well, food truck and a shower bus. (laughs) So... We we named our we had we had Gemma. Gemma is the shower bus. Um, I was I was blessed to get this bus from a group out of uh, Ohio, which is the Zero Club Mission. Um, they're a group of uh, men that goes around this, uh, Ohio and different parts of that, and they they make sure no one frees, and they provide hats and coats and and so they um, reached out to Social Works which is a partner of, of ours, that's um, the organization of Chance the Rapper. Um, they reached out to them to get to me and said that, hey, they wanted to come to Chicago and spend a day with me and to really see what it was like to be with Chef Mike. And so they came. I kept them from that morning all the way to that late night, and they was amazed at what I was doing to the point where they – took me out to dinner and they said, Hey, we want to make an announcement. They said, um, well, we purchased a new bus and we wanted to donate the old bus to you, but the old bus is amazing. She, she only does 55 miles an hour, but she would take you around the world. So I'm looking shocked. I'm crying again. And they said, you just got to come get her. I said, no, no problem. I drove down there, got Gemma. They said, one thing you have to do is keep, the name Gemma. Gemma was an immigrant that uh, used to feed the less fortunate back 18, 18 something. And she will feed people and they will punish her for doing that. And so it's a pitch. I actually have original photo, which is so amazing that I kept in the truck that they mounted on the top part of Gemma, and, which is amazing. And so the shower bus was created. I gutted it out and put the shower, toilet, washing machine and dryer, uh, flat screen, sitting area where they can just warm up and do anything they want in there and relax. Beautiful idea of taking care of the homeless, uh, not only the food, but uh, some of the, the basic needs as well. What when it gets to be this time of year, and I broadcast out of Minnesota where it's even a little colder than Chicago, but when it gets to be this dangerous dangerous time of year with the weather uh your heart just has to break for those you're trying to serve yes 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 it's it's you know 
I love the cold. Um, and I have to go out there regardless of whether it's rain, sleet, or snow. Um, I have slept out there to raise money, to keep shelters open. Um, it's just heartwarming to that I can't sleep not knowing that a person don't have heat or don't have blankets or different things like that. So um, I do a lot of riding around and um, with the donations that people, the world gives us, um, I'm able to get like uh, heaters and propane. And so I keep them warm in a tents. Um, also, um, I got generators where they can at least watch TV, um, hook a little small refrigerator up. I created something that the world was just like, wow, like, I wish I was home. I said, no, you don't. I'm just making it better for them until they get on their feet. So I I, I insulate that tent to the point where you feel like you're inside of a house. Literally, you can sit in your shorts and be warm. Like, it's freezing now, but inside that tent, it's feel like you're in a warm house. That's what we, we aim to do. We aim to give you the heat, the, the quality of food, the quality of uh, uh, clothing, Everything for us is have to be new. Um, I'm a little bit different. Uh, I do. I, I, it's, it's rare if I take something new. It, it's got to be new use because I know the feeling of growing up poor to, to get that new pair of pants. When I first got my first pair of Levi's, when I first got my first uh, pair of gym shoes, how it made me feel. I felt brand new to this world, and I wanted people to feel that. I want them to feel like, you know what, I made it fell down, but I'm going to get back up. And with the help of, uh, of Mike and his team, they're gonna make sure we get that start, and we can say it, it's gonna be it's gonna be better, it's gonna get greater. And you gotta trust that God will open up the doors. Everything don't stay bad for long, and you have to you have to understand that God has people, He has angels out here that that's gonna take care of you. You just have to have faith. Your faith is where is where it's at. And we, and we, they say, Mike, how you make it? How you survive? Well, the world donates to our website. And, and, and they see that we do what God tells us to do. We don't, we don't do government grants or none of, no different, nothing. We just straight off the donations from the world. And you can uh, reach out at tasteforthehomeless.org, tasteforthehomeless.org. Chef Michael Earhart, thanks for your great faith, your great heart for following the Lord's call on your life and for serving so many. It's been a pleasure to get to meet you through the radio. Blessings on the good work of Taste for the Homeless. Again, inviting folks to find out more, tasteforthehomeless.org. Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We'll look at the holy name of Jesus. Bobby Hesley joins us next here on Relevant Radio. Today, we'd like to thank John, who's listening in Illinois, for donating his Pontiac. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. Coast to coast on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Good morning, friends. Good morning, friends. Good morning, friends. Every day is a brand new morning.
since the morning you moved in. Good morning, friends. Oh, good morning, friends. Good We're trying to be happy friends. about it here, getting the new year underway. The yes, first work day here for, for many of 2022. Happy January 3rd to you. It's Glenn in for John today. Story Corner coming up before this hour is through, but uh, also we want you to uh, get in the great and right frame of mind for this uh, new year as we look along with the church today at the holy name of Jesus. Catholic speaker and commentator Bobby Hesley joins us to talk about that. Happy New Year to you, Bobby. Happy New Year to you, Glenn. Nice to meet you, sir. Yes, nice to meet you through the radio here. Holidays were good to you, I presume? They were. They were. And for us Catholics, uh, Christmas isn't over for another three days. So keep the cookies out and keep the uh, <laughs> stockings on the fireplace. They don't need to tell me twice. Uh, you know, I'm... The older I get, the, uh, the 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 less quickly I want to put any of that stuff away, except for the cookies. I enjoy putting those <laughs> away quickly. But uh, hey, we want to talk about the the holy name of Jesus today. The the church celebrating the optional memorial of the most holy name of Jesus, honoring that great name. How did we uh, start to celebrate this feast day? Well, we came to celebrate this feast day around the year fifteen thirty, um, officially as a you know a church feast. Um, I believe it was Pope Sixtus that granted this feast day to the Franciscans, and they kind of spread devotion to the name of Jesus universally throughout the church. And what's interesting, Glenn, is that there's a reason why it's on January 3rd or or January 2nd, depending on uh, the year that it falls, because we know that it was Jewish custom to name a child eight days after it was born. And, you know, we know that Christmas was, you know, December 25th, and here we are eight days later, Naming the child Jesus, which is very interesting because we know that in Jewish thought and Jewish culture, to name something is to have authority over it. Kind of like how Adam named the animals to signify his authority over the animals. He named Eve to signify himself as, you know, the covenant leader of of the marriage before God. So here we see St. Joseph and Our Lady naming Jesus on the eighth day after he was born to signify the authority that God gave them over himself, which I think is very profound if you think about it. Um, So that's why we do it on the 3rd, is to commemorate the name of the child Jesus. And what does the name of Jesus mean? I mean, Jesus is the human name that the second person of the Trinity took when he became one of us in the womb of the Virgin Mary. So Jesus is the more English pronunciation of it, but it's actually Yeshua in Aramaic, which sounds a lot like Joshua from the Old Testament, because those two names come from the same word family. And as we know, Joshua was the one who led the people of Israel into the Promised Land, which is very profound if you think about it, Glenn, because Moses, even though he was the anointed leader of Israel, he was the anointed deliverer of God's people from bondage, Moses was not capable of leading the people of Israel into the Promised Land. Only Yeshua was able to get them into the promised land, which signifies that the old law, the Mosaic law, was not sufficient for salvation, that only Yeshua, only the new law of the New Testament, the law of love and grace, is capable of leading us into the promised land of heaven. Yeah, there's just uh, no accidents in those parallels in in Scripture, right? We keep uh, getting the new, the better model, the new covenant, uh, the new Adam in uh, in Jesus, talking about the holy name of Jesus today with Bobby Hesley. And just backing up for a second, when you think about uh, the name given by 
by uh, Joseph and Mary. Obviously, some divine intervention there, one would guess, as well. It wasn't like myself kind of thumbing through baseball cards, thinking of kids' names. And, uh, you know, they were <laughs> girls, so there were no Minnesota Twins' names passed on. But uh, I did have a friend who really was determined to name his kid Hoskin after Hoskin Powell back in the 80s, and it, it didn't happen. I think his wife stepped in <laughs> in the way there. But uh, anyway, how interesting to think of, uh, you know, divine inspiration, obviously, for that name as well. Yeah, and, you know, and it truly is, Glenn, the name above all names, because, you know, when we think about it, what does the name Jesus mean? Okay, well, the name Jesus actually means Yahweh is salvation. That is what it means in Hebrew. And in fact, cat, uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 430, actually goes into detail about this. And here's what it says. It says, Jesus means in Hebrew, quote, Yahweh saves. At the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel gave him the name Jesus as his proper name, which expresses both his identity and his mission. So if you think about that, Glenn, within the name of Jesus, we have two things. We have who he is, which is God. And also his mission, which is what he came to do. And the Catechism continues when talking about the name of Jesus. It says, since God alone can forgive sins, it is God who, in Jesus, his eternal Son-made man, will, quote, save his people from their sins. In Jesus, God recapitulates all of his history of salvation on behalf of men. Christ is not his—now now this is me continuing— uh, you know, I, when I was a kid, I used to oversimplify things. I always refer to myself as the king of oversimplification. And <laughs> when I was going through catechism as a kid, and I'm sure other kids have probably thought this, I used to think that Christ was his last name because people would say, you know, Jesus Christ, right? My name is Bobby mm -hmm. Hesley. Mm -hmm. So because Christ comes after Jesus, that must be his last name, right? Well, we should clear the record on that and say that, no, it is not his last name. It's actually a title. And even in the name of Christ, you know, both in Jesus' first name and even in the name that follows, we have his divinity. The name Christ means the anointed one, which if you think about it, has a Trinitarian connotation to it, because in order for there to be anointed one, that requires three divine persons. You have Jesus, who is the anointed. You have the Father, who is the anointor. And you have the Holy Spirit, who is the anointing. So when you say the name of Jesus Christ, which is the name above all names, according to Philippians 2.10, you have both the, the divine identity of Jesus, but also his Trinitarian identity as, as far as how he works in communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit to redeem mankind. And if I could say one more thing, even unbelievers believe in this. It's funny how when someone stubs their toe, right, what's, what's at the tip of their tongue to say if somebody stubs their toe? Nobody hits their toe in the middle of the night and says Confucius or Buddha or Muhammad. Nobody takes their names in vain. Why is it that people take the name of Jesus in vain when they get angry or offended or, or irritated? Because even unbelievers know that Jesus is a divine name, that when you proclaim the name of Jesus, you are proclaiming the name of God. And that's why even unbelievers violate the second commandment of taking the Lord thy God's name in vain. So whether you're a believer or unbeliever, when you say the name Jesus, you are proclaiming God. 
Very interesting point. Very, uh, very strong point to be made, especially in this day and age when, uh, you know, increasing numbers are not claiming affiliation to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's Bobby Hesley joining us on Morning Air here on Relevant Radio, uh, our conversation revolving around the holy name of Jesus. Okay, we, we have this as Catholics, the holy name of Jesus, and yet sometimes it seems maybe more in some Protestant circles there's talk about there's power in the name and even that the, uh, the demons will tremble at the, the saying of the name Jesus, what is it? What power is it that it resides in that name? There is power in the name of Jesus, because if you think about it, all throughout Scripture, you know, we see Jesus referred to in many names. But even just saying the name of Jesus, like I want all of your listeners to kind of close their eyes for a second. And when you think of all the different variations of that name, we can say Jesus Christ, we can say Lord and Savior, but there's some power, there's something about just saying this. I want you guys to think about this. Close your eyes. Jesus. Did you feel that, folks? There's power when you just say the name of Jesus. And you're right, Glenn. (laughs) Demons flee at the name of Jesus because it was in that name, it was in that blood that they were conquered. And I think it's a name that we should always bow our head every time we say it, because it is a very reverent name, because we're speaking the name of God. With the power in that name, we really kind of feel that when we say it out loud. Is that something we maybe should be doing more often, proclaiming his name out loud? I think we do. And, you know, our Eastern Rite brothers and sisters are very good at it. You know, we we, we know that they pray that they pray what they call the Jesus prayer. You know, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, you know, Eastern monks, it's something that they say pretty much almost 24-7, like all throughout the day, they are constantly uttering the name of Jesus. So, yes, I believe that it's a name that should always be at the tip of our tongues. And it's also a name that that denotes intimacy with Jesus. Because I want you to think about this, folks. Here's a little bit of Bible trivia for you. When you think all throughout the Gospels, Jesus was referred to in many ways. He would be referred to as Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of Mary, uh, you know, Savior, Messiah, things like that. Did you guys know that there is only one person throughout all four of the recorded Gospels that simply called him Jesus? Do you guys know who that is? It was the thief on the cross. When he looked over at Jesus and he said, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? We even have a song that honors that every Good Friday. So think about that, folks. The only person who ever addressed Jesus just by his name to denote that personal intimacy was the thief on the cross. So in the name of Jesus, there is also profound forgiveness. Take a look at the power of the holy name of Jesus with Bobby Hesley today. We continue. Time for a quick break because, you know, we're just getting used to working again after some time off during the holidays. More of Morning Air coming up straight ahead here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
He's emerged from under a giant pile of wrapping paper, and Patrick Madrid will be live on the radio just after 8 with you this morning here. That's 8 Central Time coming up after the news. New Story Corner before this hour is through as well. But first on this uh, holy name of Jesus Day here uh, in the church in the U.S., we're happy to talk with Bobby Hesley, a Catholic speaker and commentator as well, talking uh, different angles, different thoughts, different ways to to think about the holy name of Jesus today. Uh, Bobby, great to have you along. What does St. Paul say about the name of Jesus? You know, St. Paul actually has a lot to say about the name of Jesus. He says that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So another powerful statement of St. Paul was in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, where he said that only by the Holy Spirit, only, only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we even say the name of Jesus. I want you to think about that. Because again, the name of Jesus is, it denotes a Trinitarian existence because Jesus is God, and we know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, he said elsewhere in the Gospels that where the Father is, you know, the Son is there. So the Trinity is indivisible. The name of Jesus is indivisible. And, you know, St. Paul intimately knew the name of Jesus because this was a name that, you know, when Paul was first introduced to it, made him want to kill and persecute and arrest people. <laughs> and then the same Jesus that he was persecuting um, ended up appearing to him. And what's interesting is, you know, we never hear that when Jesus appeared to Paul, he never said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute my church? Because that's what Saul was doing at the time. He didn't inflict any personal harm on Jesus. He hadn't even met Jesus. Yet when Jesus appeared to Saul, he didn't say, why do you persecute the church? He said, why do you persecute me? To denote that oneness and that union and that intimacy with his church. And again, it's through saying the name of your beloved that you enjoy that intimacy. So every time we say the name of Jesus, every time we proclaim the name of Jesus, we are promoting that intimacy with the second person of the Trinity, with God who has made man. And uh, when we say it in our own private prayer lives, it's supposed to bring us closer to God. And we, when we proclaim that name publicly, like you and I are doing on this radio broadcast, Lord willing, we can uh, encourage others to have intimacy with Jesus as well. Bobby, just thinking a little of the, the contrast here, as we're going, uh, at times there were religious folks who dared not say the name of Yahweh, of God, to say that out loud, versus being encouraged, as we're doing today here, to proclaim that name of Jesus. Absolutely, because that's what the Incarnation is all about. You know, in the Old Testament, you know, God, nobody could look upon the face of God and live, because God was just this unapproachable divine supernatural being filled with wrath and righteousness. And those are all holy qualities of God that he incrementally revealed about himself throughout time, right? He didn't reveal himself fully all at once. He revealed himself over many centuries, over many millennia, different aspects of his character and his personality and of his divine essence. But with the incarnation, when God became one of us, it's through that name of Jesus that we can approach God. And that's what makes Christianity, particularly Catholic Christianity, which we which we know as the first church, the true church founded by Christ, that's what makes it distinct from all the other religions, because all the other religions of the world, we can even take Judaism and Islam, you know, the other monotheistic religions, they have this large, they believe that there's this large gap between man and God, which we believe too. And the Jews and the Muslims, for example, they believe that the only way that we can bridge this gap, the only way that we can climb this ladder is through dietary codes and certain religious observances and things like that. And we know, Glenn, that there's no amount of, you know, 
religious observances we can do to climb that ladder to God of our own power. It is impossible to bridge that gap between the finite and the infinite. Whereas with the Christian religion, we also believe that that infinite ladder exists, that that huge abyss between us and God exists. But we believe that the only way that man can achieve that union with God is not by climbing that ladder ourselves, but that God himself has to come down to us. And that's what we just got through celebrating. That's what we're still celebrating through this octave of Christmas, is when God left the throne of heaven, left the glory of heaven, and he came down to be a little baby dependent on a mother and the father that was you know, kept warm by the breath of dumb animals, as St. Francis de Sales says, in the manger. And it's through that name of Jesus that we can bridge that gap. And when we call upon the name of Jesus, as it says in Romans 10 9, all who call upon that name shall be saved. And that's what we have to do. We have to call upon the name of Jesus. Bobby, as a Catholic speaker, you know, calling on that name just, you know, gets one wound up into speaker mode a little bit too, doesn't it? <laughs> the power, power in that name. Now, now today, the holy name of Jesus is kind of a, a big deal for Franciscans. Yes, it's a very big deal. In fact, uh, th- this is traced back to St. Bernardine of Siena. Um, he-, he lived between the years 1380 and 1444. And a quick bio of him, it says that when on his preaching and conversion missions to the turbulent cities of Italy, he carried with him a copy of the monogram of the holy name, surrounded by rays, painted on a wooden tablet. So for those of you that have you know, been to Catholic churches before, you'll always notice that on lots of our altars, we have these three letters that are in a very prominent place on the altar, which is IHS. If anyone has ever wondered what that was, here's what that is. That actually comes from... Uh, again, St. Bernardine of Siena, and it says that uh, he carried with him a copy of the monogram of the holy name surrounded by rays painting on a wooden tablet. So that's the Greek version of the holy name of Jesus. It says that they held the symbol aloft when they blessed the sick. Many great miracles were reported from these blessings, all done in the holy name of Jesus. At the close of his sermons, he exhibited this emblem to the faithful and asked them to prostrate themselves in adoration of the Redeemer of Humanity. And he recommended the faithful to have the monogram of Jesus placed over the gates of their cities and above the doors of their dwelling to remind them always of the blessings of their Lord and Savior. So to break down what that symbol means, the title shown basically it's the symbol of St. Bernardine, or it's the symbol that he used, and it's called the Christogram. So it denotes the first three letters of the Greek name of Jesus, which is Iota Eta Sigma, I-H-E. And the Greek letter iota is represented by the I, the eta by the H, and the Greek letter sigma is represented by the S. So it comes out as IHS, which is also sometimes interpreted as meaning Iesus hominum salvator, which means Jesus, Savior of men in Latin. Um, so it's a powerful symbol. And for anybody who, you know, any of our Protestant brothers and sisters who think that we don't, you know, love Jesus enough or have devotion to his name, if you go into a Catholic church, <laughs> you will see the name of Jesus everywhere. Matter of fact, you'll see Jesus everywhere. You can count in the average Catholic church, you could probably count, I would say, 20 or 30 different depictions of Jesus between the stations of the cross, between the crucifix, between different statues that we have. We are all about Jesus, and we're all about the name of Jesus. Amen to that. And uh, as we uh, talk names today, uh, once again, baseball cards in the conversation, like I say, uh, thumbing through them for some inspiration back in the day when my kids were, were on the way and uh, <laughs> happily, uh, no, they were not named after ball players. But uh, one, as a kid, uh, card I had was for Jesus Alou. 
And it was like, we're like, you know, we didn't know Spanish as little white kids in Minnesota. We're like, well, this this player's name is Jesus. Wow, look at that. Um, uh, how about, you know, uh, among Hispanics, it's a little more common to see the name Jesus. Uh, is it okay to, to name a kid that? I think it is. I mean, there, you know, there's cultural reasons why they do that. I mean, uh, me, I mean, I don't have any kids myself, but if I ever do, I don't, I don't know if I would name my kids Jesus. Um, because I believe that it's a, I think it's a special name. And I think the more something is used, the more common it becomes, and it can kind of lose its sacredness. I mean, obviously that's not a knock against Hispanic culture, but I think that's more of a, I think that's more of a discernment. I think whatever you name your child, you know, that, that, that person is going to be stuck with that name until the day they die, unless they legally change their name. So I think a lot of prayer and a lot of thought and a lot of discernment should go into what you name your child. But if you are going to name your child Jesus, you better raise your child to make sure that he or she, that, well, he lives up to that name. Um, so it could be a good challenge to parents. I mean, if you're going to name your kid Jesus or Jesus, you better be willing to raise a Jesus. <laughs> Excellent point. Excellent point. Hey, it's been uh, great uh, getting to, to know you through the radio, Bobby. And uh, just with about a minute or so left, uh, as a Catholic speaker, and I've you know, talked with a lot of folks that uh, make a living speaking to large groups, and life has been upside down the last year and a half with that, and it has gotten better the latter half of 2021 here a little bit. Uh, are you finding, just anecdotally anyway, that uh, you know getting to speak to large groups is, is coming around again for you? It is. It is coming around. I did a pretty pretty big pro-life speech a few months ago uh, here in Michigan. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is the pandemic actually forced me to change the way I give talks. I, you know, I, I have a YouTube channel. I've got a social media presence that's growing pretty rapidly now that otherwise wouldn't have grown had this pandemic not hit because it forced us to find other channels and other avenues to proclaim the Word of God. So, uh I'm really glad that, uh, you know, we I was able to do that. And, yeah, things are starting to open back up, and I thank God for that. Well, very good. And how can folks get a hold of you if you, they'd like to learn a little bit more? Sure. Uh, if you just look me up on social media, just type in Bobby Hesley, B-O-B-B-Y-H-E-S as in Sam L-E-Y. That's the name of my YouTube channel, my Facebook page, my Instagram, my Twitter. It's the same spelling across all four platforms, so feel free to look me up. Feel free to engage my content and feel free to uh, interact with me as I post things. Well, Bobby, it's been great interacting with you this morning. We appreciate your time and all the, uh, the good insight on the holy name of Jesus. Morning Air continues now. Time for a look at today's Story Corner. Our story today plays in well to trying to stick to those New Year's resolutions. Our story today called Never Give Up from Justin McEwen. U.S. paratrooper Joseph Beryl served with the 101st Airborne during World War II. Prior to the start of the Normandy invasions, Beryl jumped twice into occupied France to coordinate, provide arms and money to several French resistant units. Then he jumped on D-Day in France, destroying an enemy gun emplacement. He was captured, escaped, captured again. Nearly beaten to death as uniform and dog tags were taken from him, a German soldier attempted to infiltrate U.S. lines dressed in Beryl's uniform, and he was killed. The U.S. War Department believed Beryl had been killed in combat and notified his parents. His mother refused to believe that her son was dead and continued to ignore the calls from the family to accept his death. Beryl was taken into captivity at a German-controlled POW camp where he attempted to escape and was shot and wounded. He survived on minimum food and medical attention, 
Barrel be held in seven different POW camps. He escaped again. This time, the Gestapo was ready to shoot him, claiming he was a spy. He escaped again and found his way to a Soviet armor brigade, which was near the POW camp. Barrel, having knowledge of engines and mechanical background, assisted the Soviet tank unit, which was equipped with American-made M4 Sherman tanks. He served with the armor unit commanded by a Soviet female officer and acted as a scout for the Russians against German positions. He was wounded again when a German dive bomber attacked the Russian armored column. From there, he was taken to a Soviet hospital where he met Soviet Marshal Zhukov, who was curious on how this American paratrooper ended up in a Soviet hospital. Zhukov was so impressed with Beryl's story, he provided safe passage back to the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. Due to the War Department believing that Beryl had been killed back in June of 1944, the U.S. government kept him under guard for several days till his dental records confirmed that he indeed was Beryl. Beryl actually served more combat time with the Soviets than the Americans and received both U.S. and Soviet citations. Beryl returned home and married his sweetheart. He was married by the same priest who, two years earlier, had his funeral when his family believed he was dead. Galatians 6, 9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So hang in there. Hang in there with those New Year's resolutions. And that's our story for today. If you'd like to hear it again in podcast form, it's yours for the taking there. You'll find that shortly on the Relevant Radio app, also online, relevantradio.com, and on our Glenn Story Corner Facebook page. You can access the audio and the text of each day's story as well, and we always encourage you to feel free to participate by sending along stories you think that would be good, whether it's one you've come across or written yourself. Email them, morningair at relevantradio.com. That's morningair at relevantradio.com. Thanks for being along for the ride today. Riding in next, high on that horse, Patrick Madrid, coming up after the news here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.